Hello, it's Cam. Welcome back to another episode of This Might Be Helpful. Today, I am joined by my friend Drew and lead of the band Satsang, which is a very special moment for me because I, I manifested this very, very clearly. Like this is one of these moments of, oh, you plant these seeds, even just in your own subconscious, and they will manifest. And you don't know when, you don't know how, but it is coming to fruition. I was trying to find the notepad that I first wrote this in one of my journals up there. When I decided to make this podcast, I just I sat down to write a list of people I wanted on the podcast. And there was Tim Ferriss, Ryan Holiday, Naval Ravikant, Drew from Satsang, and then I put Obama on there because I was like, fuck it, let's put it out there. Let's see what happens. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, you know, there were times throughout the last couple of years where I was like, oh, I should ask him, I should ask him. But then it just happens organically without any kind of effort. It just, the universe puts it in front of you. Well, it's even funnier that, that how it happened is uh, because you had Brady on, who's my best friend, which is super crazy. Like, dude, me and him, like the way we're interwoven and the way we continue to be interwoven, it's so crazy because there's people that are like a fan of him and go fast and then also a fan of us. And then they realize that him and I are best friends and they're like, br their mind explodes. It's like, and it ke it goes, it happens everywhere we go too. And, you know, I, I think about what you guys are and in this beautiful broad sense of these vortex of seemingly contradictions, right? Like a vortex of contradiction that really once you look at it it's actually all complementary it all is it's why there is balance because you embrace that vortex of contradictions right it's like <laughs> sing about love and ja and then get on the mat and roll around and fight and then ride a motorcycle back to a family that you then give unconditional love to like it's this beautiful stream of diversity yeah, for me, it's just like there's things I feel um, just like an unstoppable spiritual, emotional, deep pull towards. Um, love has always been one of those things. Music is one of those things. Fighting is one of those things. And the motorcycle is one of those things. So it's just like I think we live in a world where people kind of want to paint you into a box. Or like I think when we grow up, we see a lot of that, right? There's like goth kids and jocks and there's these like predetermined outlines of like what a human should be and for me the most liberating thing was like no dude you can do all of the things yeah. you know and that's kind of how you paint your own picture and say that's my picture you know you gotta pick your colors right and the you know the necessity of you needing to create those strokes and create those pictures because you know, if you do not decide who and what you are, the world will decide for you. If you don't decide what you do with your life, the world will decide for you. If you do not take a active and proactive role in establishing the lifestyle you want to live, the relationships you want to live, the things you want to engage in, then the world will tell you. And the world has lots of answers, but it won't give you truth. Ooh, that's money right there. Amen. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think too, especially in music, like I just recently had a conversation and this guy was like, man, you know, I could get you a $150,000 check to make a record, but I don't know what you 
what record would come out of it. And that's really troubling for someone that owns a record label. It's like, you know, if you were a reggae band, it would be a no-brainer. It's like, yeah, we're going to get a reggae record. If you're a bluegrass band, we know what we were going to get. But, you know, and I was like, yeah, man, I don't know what you would get either. So, like, <laughs> and I, I just, it's probably my biggest hindrance career-wise, but it's just like, I can't imagine living any other way than just like, having the freedom to change and evolve and that that is like the only constant is evolution, you know? Mm, mm, and you know, that, that thing that is a hindrance is funny because those things that hinder us are also those things that propel us and drive us. And it is always that beautiful double edged sword. And again, these, um, these apparent contradictions that are what make us work like to, give yourself that conscious space to evolve into what will be without the declaration of what it is before it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to, I don't want to have to make anything, you know, I only want to make stuff cause I want to, you know? And I think that's kind of a, another thing that, that took a long time to grow into, especially career wise, is that just like, no man, I'm just going to do it the way that I want to do it in the way that feels good. Cause I went through a big period of saying yes to everything and feeling like it had to be done a certain way. And it like kind of almost ate me up, man. Um, and I have kind of just made a promise to myself that I just will only do things after I've checked in with it and been like, yes, this feels right. This feels good. Mm. Um, mm. Cause when I, when I don't do that, it just led to a place where you start to resent what you do, man. I started resenting music, which is the last place on the planet I want to be. Mm -hmm. And in that space where you feel like you've, you know, kind of worked yourself into a box, like to break free from these shackles we create through our pursuit of freedom, like what does that, what does that take? Because you have to be willing to be misunderstood. You have to be willing to, um, to break this mold. And we have the attachments to the mold of like, well, that's what people know us for. That's what people want to hear when, when they know I'm coming but you have to be the one willing to create that new shape. Yeah. I think a big thing for me is I started really getting a kick out of, um, of being the guy that, um, you know, would release two Americana records and then a hip hop song and have be like, what the fuck is going on? I'd be like, I know, right? Like I kind of started getting a kick out of that. Um, and it's allowed me a lot of freedom. But like you said, I think the biggest thing, man, especially as an artist, like I, I feel like one of the core, um, like uh, pre-artistic puberty traits of an artist is wanting to be understood. Um, that's most artists are kind of misunderstood. So you're creating in this effort to kind of show yourself. Um, and it, and it doesn't feel good really when people don't get it early and what I found, man, like I said, I think I've tricked myself into getting off on confusing people, but for me, it took so long um, to just give myself permission to be misunderstood and just mm. be, be okay with it. Cause it's really like, Hey, no one's ever, you know, you're never going to be liked by everyone. You're definitely never going to be understood by anyone. So the quest should be internal peace, you know, not everyone telling you you're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. And the side effect of that though, right, is that we want to be seen, but 
we also can't expect those who don't see themselves or are not willing to see themselves to see us and we want to be understood but then the process of expression is one of making sense right like your nature must express itself and through that process of expression we we understand a little bit more of what it is that wants to be expressed and as soon as we're in that kind of conformist position of even if it's conforming to what we've done before right to you know conforming to the character conforming to that voice that process of conformity it's anytime we're asking the world what we should make it's it's again it's an answer but not a truth and we have to ask these questions of ourselves what do i want to make yeah i love that answers versus truth thing man that's that's a very deep concept and i think too man a huge thing for me has been um the more I understand myself, the more I understand other people. And I'm just kind of a student of like psychopathology. Right. And I actually just like put this thing on my story because there's a few people that I, that I see who pretty much the entirety of their content is talking shit about different kinds of people. They're just pretty much talking shit most of the time. Um, and it, it's just kind of dawned on me that the like overwhelming characteristics of the hater, as it were, is that they're pretty lonely. Uh, they usually don't have a partner. They don't have close friends in a community. Um, and just starting to realize that the people that would be vocal about not liking what you do, it's because they're unhappy and they're just looking for the next thing that they can kind of throw their dart at, you know? And once you understand that, man, then you, then opinions really don't matter. Cause it's like, I, I guess, in our culture, there's just, we've never had a time where more people are outputting ideas and opinions. Um, so it's just gotten weird where you realize like, for me, if I don't like something or vibe with something, I change the channel, you know, like I turn the song off, I scroll past it. So the energy that it takes to be like, Hey, I don't like this. And I'm going to let you know that I don't like it. And that I don't like you. It's like, man, you got to be kind of a, <laughs> kind of a fucked person to want to do that. You know? <laughs> But man, it's so true. Like the, the internet is just a, a giant expose of whatever is occurring within anybody's mind, right? Like, so as the mind, so the person, the, the comment sections are, are full of projection, right? Like I, I realized this, um, thankfully, like just as I started to do the social media stuff, uh, at the same time I had read the book, the four agreements, and it was, just like this age old, beautiful, simplistic wisdom, just these principles for how you engage with yourself in the world. And like agreement number two is don't take it personally because it's not personal. Everyone is projecting whatever this insecurity is. And you can see it in comments, right? Like, oh, this guy has such a massive nose. It's like, I'm sorry that somebody told you that at some point. Yeah, or pointed, yeah, some physical flaw of yours. And you're like, well, that hurt and I want to hurt him. And that worked uh -huh. on me. And it's just like yeah. the ego flex and goes, no, this isn't about me. I can find bigger noses than what I have. And I'm going to point that out. And so it's this, this ego's attempt to defend itself from this pain. And I think that once we can recognize that it makes interacting with these spaces, I think more sustainable because right. Like either way, I'm, I'm going to send this person love, not, not in this thing of, um, they're not at fault or there is no responsibility, but like, oh, I see your pain, man. I see, I'm sorry that 
you're in pain. I send you love either way, right? Because that's even just for your own sustainability, it it serves no good to to be in a disposition where those things affect you. Like, yeah, you I've been on this big I, this big trip recently of just like my comeback to anything is I hope you heal. It just freezes people dead in their tracks, man. Because it's like I wouldn't say that to you unless I meant it. And also the the self reflection, like man, you don't read those words or hear those words and not immediately self reflect. Like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Mm. I hope mm. you heal. It's like, yeah, man, sit with that one for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> yeah, and the more the more inflammatory that is for you, the more resistance you have to that thing, the greater need there is for introspection, like looking Amen. inwards, man. It's, it's the involution, and I think that. Yes. Once we see that ourselves as well, that whatever it is that inflames our ego, that, that, that triggers some kind of resistance or response, every single moment like that is an opportunity to go, oh, what is it within me that is resisting this person or this statement or this idea? Like, it's even like when it comes to your interpersonal relationships, something that my partner and I have used is recognizing when my ego wants to clap back at something in a big way and it gives me this that little space that buffer i can go oh oh you got the ego with that one it, it wanted to clap back in a big way just now um i could be projecting this could be my own insecurity but what do you think and it's this way of navigating these relationships while knowing that there is this this hyper subjective and hyper defensive protective system in place as the ego and you know even I, I was in yoga a few weeks ago and i went to this class in bali and straight from the get-go i was like oh this teacher's vibe is off right and, and in a yoga class that makes it difference right like it's all energy in there and so totally. you know this this teacher's vibe was off she didn't like acknowledge me when i came into class and i thought that's she'd look people in the eyes you should acknowledge them and then through throughout class i was it was difficult and i had this feeling of like oh she wants me to suffer and not in like this compassionate suffering way like the teacher that is leading you through the fire but like hey suffer but then i realized like halfway through i went oh dude this isn't about her at all this is your own projection like you're struggling in this class so you're, you're lacking the strength and flexibility that you wanted you forgot your water bottle so you're thirsty you're in the tropics this is not about her this is an opportunity for you to see that the world is your mirror. So how do you take this and, and roll with that in a way that serves? Yeah, I think it's really great that you're able to, I mean, that to me, that's just such a sign of being on the right track of being able to even have a pause and be like, is this really me at my core? Or is this my ego? And I, man, I struggle with that too. Cause I pretty much, a lot of it was with how I grew up, but man, I, I pretty much feel like I'm always ready, ready to clap back. And I, I have to check myself a lot too of like, yeah, is this real? Is this something that needs actually addressed? Or is this my ego being like, Oh, you just felt like your toes got stepped on. You better let someone know that you won't, you won't stand for toe stepping. You know, it's like, or you just go about your day, you know, you just go but I think that yoga class, that's a good analogy, man. Cause I feel like, um, I always play with this concept of the main story, right? Of like, 
or the main character rather that we all kind of think we're the main character so you walk into a yoga class she's having her own experience teaching a class but in the back of your head she's like is she picking on me yeah. you know because in each of our each of our little books were the main main character you know um and i found a lot especially on tour man i found a lot of value in removing myself as the main character and figuring out how i can be a supporting be in the best supporting role mm -hmm. for everyone around me mm. yeah right like that's and I, to be honest, that's some main character energy right there. Like, let me just slip into right? the background and, 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 and cast, my, cast my spells from the corners here. Like, I think that you know, we, we are walking around with the spotlight just beaming down on us and it makes us feel like we're exposed at all times, right? Like there is this sensation of like this, this, this hyper-personalization of experience that kind of blinds us from the absolute like richness and complexity and individuality and intensity of experience that every single person is walking around with hey, everyone's got this yeah my my tour manager who is an absolute ninja you know he always says he said you know i feel like i feel like if i'm not in service then i know i'm not okay like if i've turned in on myself and made myself the main attraction in my story it's because i'm not okay because otherwise i should always be in service I should, pretty much my walk should be an act of service um and that that's a sign of being okay when you can show up for everyone else that it, it's kind of a sign that you're okay so mm -hmm. i kind of always check in on that too of like when i'm you know finding myself making myself less available to the people around me it's like okay well what's really going on here like it's time to check in Oh man, that's, that's really powerful. Um, because there is that, you know, you're receding from the world when, when you're not okay. And, you know, almost ironically, the way to often be okay is to then go in service, right? Yep. That, that act of service is how you get back that okayness. And I mean, and that's what we're here for, man. Like I, I know that, um, anytime my conversation is led with I, me, my, it's likely the ego's in control of, of whatever story's going on, whatever narrative's going on. And that's not a bad thing. It's just a neutral thing. Uh, you know, we, we're not going to destroy the ego. It's, it's here to stay. We ideally should develop it, right? Because the more it's developed, you know, it's like when, when spiritual development outpaces ego development. And so then the ego clings to the spirituality of like, no, I'm enlightened. I'm spiritual. I do all of these things. It's like, yeah, but your life's a mess, dude. <laughs> yeah, man. I always, I always like, I have a very Jordan Peterson approach to like human pathology where like, you know, yeah, I agree with everything you just said. And I think there's so much of that in the kind of new age community. And you'll meet these people that are like, you know, spiritual leaders in their little communities. And if I see your house and it's a mess, then I'm like, all right, man, this is fucked. <laughs> like, you're not what you say you are at all. You, you can't, you're going to you can't even clean up after yourself and you're acting like you're enlightened, dude. You don't even make your bed, mm -hmm. you know, like, um, and maybe that's just me. I'm kind of a clean freak, but for me, like if my area is clean, this all flows good, you know? Well, it's, it's part of it though, right? Like 
cleanliness is is one of these um you know it's, it's part of the limbs of that that eight limb yoga path is is cleanliness and purity and self purification like what impurities are going on in my cognition and my in my sensations like what emotions am i not metabolizing what am i not allowing to move through and your space is a reflection of that you got to take care of your space cleanliness what is that you know quote from maybe it's the bible or something cleanliness, cleanliness. is next to godliness yeah yeah right and it is and you can take that feeling and or that sensation into into many different directions but ultimately you know so many of these practices that i engage in you know it is this process of purification and one that needs to be done on a daily basis because like the debris accumulates in the pathways and i have to flush it out in order to be closer to the truth without any of the distortion between me and that truth yeah i always like think like what would you think if you went to a yoga studio or a church and there was shit laying everywhere you'd be like well that fucks with the vibe yeah <laughs> you know it's like when you go into a place the thing that makes it feel sacred and like wow this is a place of intention is that lack of clutter that's like you know it's clean it's open it's um yeah it doesn't feel hectic i feel like that's the thing that makes it all feel less hectic is that there's not shit everywhere it's not a mess mm, mm, absolutely right because our our state of mind our state of being is always this something that is the sum of where you are what you think about where you are how you feel about where you are it's just constant exchange with the environment around you and that's one of the best ways to just even just recalibrate your mind is all right what clutter around me is disturbing my consciousness because every little point of stimuli and information is another is another point of consideration in that mind and if you can clean it up like I used to think that cleaning was procrastinating because I'd always clean if I was putting something off. And then I was speaking to uh, a mentor at some point. He's like, that doesn't sound like procrastination to me. It sounds like you're doing what you need to do. It sounds like these are all things that you need to do. So don't worry about procrastinating, totally, brother. For me, that's like step one of like, okay, we're going to clean the space and then I'll sit in this clean space and we'll make, you know, and we'll go from there. So when that, um, you know, taking that into you know, your, your, your writing practice, right? Like, because you are this, um, your, your, your creative expression is, is liberated, right? And I don't know how much of it isn't liberated because we're always trying to break through these biases we have and break through these boundaries we have. And we don't even know what's there until we come to face it. But this, this process for you of creative expression what does that look like for you? Are there periods of like inspired sprints followed by rest and recovery? Is there a system behind it? Yeah. So I never like, am like, I'm going to sit down and write right now. I refuse to do that. I kind of look at it like there's this like ethereal muse and that, um, you know, she has pulled me out of certain positive or certain poverty from listening to her. So anytime she calls, no matter how inconvenient, I pick up the phone. So like there may be times where like in the morning I will pick up my guitar and start messing with it and be like, Oh, here she comes. Here she comes. But dude, sometimes it's the most, um, inconvenient, crazy time where I have to like fucking pull over the car, you know, and dive in and like record the melody on a voice note. Like it, it just comes really fast for me. And, um, 
I got asked the other day about writer's block. I guess I've never seen it as writer's block because I'll go a few months without writing something. And I always know that there's going to come a week where I have four in a week, mm. you know, and I, I feel like if I'm forcing it, that it's not me. It's where it comes out when it just pours out, then I know it's me and that it's like, you know, it's coming from the good place. Right. Like that, that's a really beautiful way of looking at it. Um, you know, writer's block only being a thing that's a symptom of you thinking that you need to be the one doing it all right like because when you receive these it's like a it's a download it's like oh i have to i have to be able to capture this in some way because you know we have to capture these ideas in order to even preserve them because we're very good at receiving ideas and generating them but not good at remembering them i don't know how many miraculous ideas are just like gone back into the ether but that right you know it's this idea that I am the doer behind these deeds and I must be the one that is writing right now. But through that process of thinking that we are responsible for every single one of these strange synaptic connections and downloads from information we're not even really consciously aware of, it's like, how can I create the space that allows this muse to come in? And then how can I give that muse voice? Yeah, man. And some of the, like, it happens all of the time where like, you know, I'll make a song and then record the voice note with my guitar. So it's like locked in and I'm like, okay, cool. It's down. I can come back to it. And I'll listen back to shit sometimes and just be like amazed at some of the couplets that came out. I'm like, I don't talk like that. Like, how did that come out that way? You know, like just really, really interesting ways of saying shit. Um, and, and I think that that, yeah, man, that's the good shit. Cause I've tried to write with, I won't, I won't say the artist, but there's a, a, a rather big artist that I was staying with at his home and we were in his studio and, um, we were going to write a song together and we kind of get the, the music laid out for it. And about 20 minutes had been spent on this opening line. And I just was like, it was an opportunity where I was like, well, I don't want to fuck this up because this is kind of a like um, hero pivotal moment for me to even be like writing with this person. And then, yeah, after about 20, 30 minutes working on one sentence, I was just like, man, I don't I don't do it like this and I don't want to do it like this. And I know that you're far more successful than me and then maybe you and the six people that write songs with you do it like this. Mm. But I can't do it like this. and I have no interest in doing it like this. It's really boring to me. You know, like my method is get completely the fuck out of the way, see what happens and we'll decide after if we keep it, you know, like, and I was, I was never asked to write with him again. (laughs) I love that though. Like, Hey man, I know you're really successful, but I'm bored. Yeah. I don't like this at all, dude. And I think of like, you know, there's this, there's people that tell stories about being in the studio with Tupac, you know, and there's like, you know, probably a hundred songs that he never got a release that are just sitting somewhere. And people talk about being in the studio with him, you know, he would smash out a song and they'd be like, wouldn't even leave the booth. We'd be like, put on the next beat and bust his pen out and be like, cool, cool. And would just rack out five, six songs in a night. You know, I'm like, that's the way, man. I would rather have 300 songs that I'm pulling from and Mm. keep five of them than like spend a whole day working on five sentences, dude. That's boring as fuck. Well, and at that point as well, you know, asking yourself, well, what is this for? Like, you know, am I, am hey, I creating man. sentences because other people are going to enjoy it? Like, am I finding my own feeling in these words? Cause that's, man, I, you sit down and 
like, you know, I think about when I'm doing like meditations or something and trying to come up with some kind of guideline, I just sit down and think my way into a feeling. And then if that feeling is potent enough, it'll give me the words to express itself. But like, if I'm trying to write my way into a feeling before I felt it, hmm, doesn't work that way. Not in a, not in a way that, that has, I have any interest in personally. Yeah. And I don't think you're going to touch the heart when you're overusing the brain. Like mm -hmm. the, the, yeah. The good shit for me, man, is like, I always think about I am and how crazy it is that that song landed the way it did, bro. I wrote that shit so fast. It happened so fast. Pretty much any song that you've ever heard that's been released by us was written that way. And I am, I didn't think much of it, man. And when it first kind of, I think right before it hit like a million streams, I was like, all right, I'm going to listen to this as though I've never heard it before and be like, what is, what's everyone getting from this song? And it made me tear up. That was like, oh man, that was exactly where I was when I wrote that song. I was scared my career wasn't work out, gonna work out, that I was fucking everything up. And I was just like writing myself a letter of affirmation of like, no, we are not scared anymore. This is what we're doing. We're all in. I'm good. Um, and I just like, I've never heard a pop song that's made me get goosebumps, you know, or made me tear up um so yeah man that because essentially what you're what you just said is what they're doing right it's like when you get a bunch of songwriters that are trying to get something on the billboard it's like okay what are the big words right now what are words that everyone's saying well you know it's this very it's not alchemized it is curated you know mm. it's like mm. yeah and i don't want to curate anything i want to be like this is me Hopefully my authentic self touches your authentic self and then we can do this beautiful dance together. And if not, that's cool too. Mm, amen to that dude, because we live in this age where we're trying to apply formulas to everything. Like, well, what's the best system that I should use to write? What's the best system that I should use to create? It's like, dude, you are the system. There's no, there's yes. no template you're going to find. There's no formula that you're going to follow that feels right to you, especially if you think you need these things to allow what is inside to come out, like express what is in there, allow what is in there to be expressed. And as soon as you're trying to bend that expression to suit the sensitivities or the needs of people that you cannot assume the perspective of then you're doing yourself a disservice. You're betraying your opportunity to create from a place of, of realness, right? Like what you're, that sentence, you know, the, the head getting in the way of the heart, right? Like you can't think your way into creating something that makes people feel that deeply. No, it's gotta be a feel thing. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just interesting, too, because I think like uh, one of my favorite lines about music ever was Jerry Garcia was being interviewed about the Grateful Dead. And I take great pride because I know Satsung is this band. He's like, the Grateful Dead is like licorice. Not everybody likes licorice, but the people that like it really, really like it, <laughs> you know, and I'm totally cool. Like, bro, I'm so much more like successful than I ever thought I would be, man. I make a fine living my family doesn't want for anything. I don't want for anything. And I do my favorite thing. That is what I do for a living. I do the thing that makes my heart feel like it's going to explode. That lets me dance between here and the ethereal. Like, 
you know, I used to be chasing. I was chasing like, well, okay, well now we're selling three to 500 tickets, but man, if we could just sell out theaters, man, if we could just do this and realizing like, you know, my tour manager goes, man, but even if this is only as good as it gets, it's pretty good. Yeah. And when he said that to me, it just landed so hard was like, yeah, man, it really is. And like a big thing, you'll dig this, man. This has been my mantra recently. Everything that is meant for me, I cannot keep from me. And the things that aren't meant for me, I cannot attain. So my job every day when I wake up is to just be the best version of myself. Try. Try to be the best version of myself. Stay in my practices that I know keep me good. And the universe is going to dish me whatever it's supposed to dish me. Mm-hmm. You know, this music thing might fucking end tomorrow. I might lose my voice tomorrow. I don't know. But I'm done chasing, man. I don't. And it's not a lack of goals. It's not any of that. It's just all I can do is make and play music, man. That's all I'm going to do anyway. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's the work. <laughs> <laughs> the, mm, I mean, it's it's also it's also like a life that is more in accordance with what reality is right like because it's a life of presence you know having goals is good right absolutely you can be unrealistic with those goals as long as you're realistic about what can be done in a day but if you're thinking beyond right now are you living in accordance with that truth right because that when you get to let go of the clinging and the reaching and the chasing then you you strip back these yeah, distortions almost of this truth until you get back to this place of resonance. And it's from that place of resonance that the universe, it bends in accordance to that, right? Like that's what magnetizes you to what is meant for you without attachment, possessiveness, without clinging, without the outcome being the sole determinant of your happiness. Yeah. You got to be in the now. Yeah. And it's, I think it's like, I used to be like, so when we went on tour with Michael Franti, this was like 2018, he took us out for a whole year. Um, and it was, there was so much irony in this. So my fear at that time was, yes, we're playing these giant sold out theaters every night with Michael. These are his fans. Hopefully we win some of them. But in that process, my agent was booking shows um, in whatever city we were in a few months down the road, right? So we'd play there with Michael, and then we'd come back on our own a few months later. And, bro, every fucking day was me stressing about, well, what's going to happen when we come back? You know, how many of these people like the show? I was so concerned about three months from now. And the irony was, was I would sit in with Michael every single night on a song that he wrote called enjoy every second. Mm. And the whole song is about being present and enjoying the now. And that was the song that I got up and sang with him every night. Um, and it wasn't until after the tour, I realized like I wasn't even there for that. We had catering every day. Like it was probably the coolest tour experience you could have. And I wasn't there for any of it. I was so scared of the future, you know, um so yeah i kind of just made a deal man that i won't do that anymore it's like even if i'm getting homesick i'll check myself and be like well you can't go home right now Mm. you're here so why don't Mm. you just be here you're on a bus with your best friends you're gonna play music tonight let's just be here this is a cool place to be and you know you're gonna get home 
you know. Mm. I mean, and what a beautiful, like, <laughs> what a beautiful, like, obvious lesson, right? But like, so many of the lessons are obvious in hindsight. Like, we we need these things to like jump out and be like, "Yo, hey, um, think about this." And with that reflection and with that introspection, that's how we generate. That's how we alchemize those those periods into doing better life today. Yeah, you know, it's. Have you have you had these sensations or these feelings that um, like a realization that oh damn I have everything that I ever wanted. Yeah, and then I catch myself wanting more, and then I'm like, well, what is it, man? Like, this is it's a problem that I don't like talking about. I have 18 guitars, dude. <laughs> you know, like I just bought another one yesterday, and I like. I remember when I started Satsung, dude, I had one acoustic guitar, the DI for that lived inside the case and I had a backpack and that was how I toured, you know, and I remember being at festivals or whatever and seeing people with these nice guitars and just being like, oh my God, man, I can't wait until I have a Gibson. Like, man, to be able to afford a Gibson, man, that's going to be crazy. And now I have five or six of them. Um, and, and it's been hitting me a lot recently. I moved into a new place and I have this really beautiful office workspace. And sometimes I just sit in there and anytime I'm loading the trailer for a tour, I just am like, man, look at what you've built here this, with a guitar and a backpack. And now it is a seven by 14 trailer full of shit, man, you know, and it's a whole show and that you employ 12 people and it's, you know, it, it catches me a lot. And, but I think that human nature aspect is that we always want more like, well, what's the next thing? What's the next level? Okay. Now we're selling out clubs. When do mm -hmm. I get to sell out a theater? You know? Mm -hmm. And I think a bit of that is healthy because it will keep you, you know, it keeps you hungry and wanting to, for me, it makes me want to keep creating. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we've had a art. Satsung is a weird entity, man, because, we have like, there's a, there's a lot of artists that have like half a million Instagram followers, but like 10,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. We have like a quarter million monthly listeners on Spotify. I get millions of streams a month and like 40,000 Instagram followers. Um, mm -hmm. And I've, I've kind of just refused to do any modern approach to this thing. I'm like, my job is to write music, record music, tour music. That's it. That's what my job is. I'm just going to do that. Um, which I'm sure is a hindrance too, but it's just what feels right to me. And like you just said, it's like, it's pretty good, man. I have a really, really cool life, you know? Yeah, and also like, I think recognizing, really recognizing both like the nature of impermanence, the nature of change and our absolute finite bodies means that we're not gonna do everything. We're not going, we just simply, we will not do most things, right? And so that I think is really liberating because you get to look at your life and go, oh, hang on, this stuff I love, this stuff I'm good at. Am I going to waste my time toiling away at things that do not inspire, things that do not serve, things that do not really like, add that glimmer to my life? Am I going to be thinking about how things should be done or all the things I really got to be doing? It's like, Wait, when we have that feeling of like, oh, I should be doing this, can we change that word and say, do I need to do this? Okay, maybe, maybe not. If no, do I want to do this? And if you get a no to that, move on. Like, yep. 
there, there's yeah, so for much me, to like, live for already. 100%. For me, the only time that I completely ignore that voice, and not the need, but want. Um, you know, I'm pretty, I, I exercise pretty vigor, vigorously. And for me, that's the only time I ignore that question. Do I want to do this? I always am like, it doesn't matter, dude, you're going to. Yeah. But the thing is, is it's just like, um, I feel like yoga, I don't do nearly enough yoga, but I always compare yoga to, to lifting weights because it's the same thing. It's like, you never want to really go to a yoga class. Have you ever left a yoga class and been like, man, I really wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> never dude. I have never mm -hmm. walked out of the gym and been like, I wish I wouldn't have just worked out, Uh huh. you know? So, so sometimes I have to trick, trick myself and just be like, you don't want this now, but you're going to want it in an hour. A hundred percent. Like we, you never regret showing up. And I think that that's like, that's what we need to think about instead of, because, you know, my mind is always thinking about, um, I'll, I'll catch it, when it is thinking through things that are the body's responsibility to move through, right? Like the mind is going, oh, it's going to be so much effort. You're going to sweat so much. That future is really difficult. It's like, yeah, of course you would think this brain. You're a gelatinous blob. You had no limbs. Like, <laughs> I think this is hard. This is not for you to do, dude. So I use the mind to get the body to where I need to be. And the body will show up and handle the rest. And I... You know, I asked myself, you know, my buddies and I've you know, started this kind of habit where he'll text me, what's your current state of mind? And whatever comes up to the surface with that question, it's not for me to give an answer. It's for me to listen to what that answer actually is. Like, oh, I'm agitated, I'm frustrated. I'm, oh, am I impatient right now? I think I might be impatient. And then he says, what is your intended state of mind? So oh, I, want, I want to feel grounded. I want to feel strong. I want to feel present. I want to feel something, right? Because we don't want things, we want feelings. And if I use how I want to feel to guide what I do, then that's, that's really this empowering position. Yeah, man. I always tell my fighters before they get in the cage, when they look super, super nervous, I'm always like, without the gelatinous blob thing, but I'm going to start using that. I always am like, what your mind is doing right now is trying to protect you because it knows you're about to get in a fight. But your brain isn't going to protect you. You're going to protect you. So you can tell your brain to calm down, say, I got this because I train all the time at fighting. So I'm going to fight. You don't have to fight, brain. I'm going to mm -hmm. do it for us. Yeah. And there's so many of those like throughout our life, right? Of like, it's really just fear. And all fear is, is pointing to an insecurity or something that needs protected. So it's like, for me, I've just found a lot of good in facing those, you know, that's kind of what I think really ties me and Brady together and has made us as close as we are is like, what's scary. Let's do that. Mm. You know, it's like purposely trying to atrophy this muscle in us that wants us to be afraid to not experience something. It's like, cool, let's just beat the shit out of that thing till it doesn't work anymore. And then we're just living completely free, you know? <laughs> And that's right. Like fear is the calling, man. Like if there, if there is this fear, it's not your job to run away from that. It's your job to just stare it in the face. And then through that process, see what the truth of that fear is, right? Rather than the, the world of illusion that your mind generates in response to fear that amplifies it. And so many of the things we're scared of, it's just like, again, I think if more people just studied the pathology of thoughts where it's like 
most of our shit can so easily be explained if, if we just look at where we came from, you know, and just look at our childhoods and um, relationships we had when our prefrontal cortex was forming. Because most of those fears are things that were agreements that you made so long ago. Mm. They're completely useless now. They're, they're not they're not serving you in any way. They probably did at that time, which is why you like clung to it. And we're like, OK, we're going to download this into the fucking database as a usable program. But so much of it isn't, especially as we get older. And, and that's why we see relationships not work a lot of times. It's like you're saying most of us don't even know to check in with ourselves and be like, what is this touching on right now? And why do I feel this urge to fight you? Mm-hmm. You know, is it actually that there's something wrong or are you just touching some part of my ego that I don't, I promised I'd never let get touched again. Mm-hmm. It's it, it, you have to do it. You have to take full responsibility and agency for your energy, for your responsiveness, for how you show up in the world. And it can, if it makes it easier, instead of allowing those storylines of the thoughts to continue to generate themselves and for us to, to take those as these arbiters of truth, be like, oh, maybe these patterns aren't me. Maybe they're just something that happened. And I, I don't need to take responsibility or ownership for that happening, but I can take ownership for how I respond to this now. And I can send this part of me love. I can say, yo, thank you, pattern, for allowing me to survive, for doing what needed to be done in that moment. Um, I'm here because you've allowed me to be here. I can forgive this. I can love this. And I can use that part this language, man. Change. That part language is so important. I think for, for me to be able to be like, this isn't the entire of me. This is a part of me. So I'm going to turn towards mm-hmm. this part of me, acknowledge it and be like, yes, man, I know why you exist and you are so helpful, but I don't need you right now. Um, I have a question for you. Cause I've been, I've been really spinning on this the past few days. What's an area um, of like human humanness that you feel like you struggle the most with as far as like controlling the ego and like responsiveness and all of the things that you're just talking about what's like an area or type of interaction that makes you really struggle with that um i've had a lot of stuff coming up about uh, about owning my uh, you know i'm not owning my truth about saying no about being really clear right like you know, my, my fiance, she, nobody steps on her. Nobody dude. Like, it's like, like stepping into a pit of snakes and but I'm different, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive to energy. And I think that I'm, I'm easily, I'm recognizing that my energy is easily swayed by other people that, that I love, especially like if I love you, man, I'm susceptible. And so I can have this feeling and, and then, kind of get walked back into a circle and be, Hey, how am I, how am I in this again? Oh, because you were not clear. You did not say what you needed to say. You did not stand up for yourself in that way. And so I think that like, yes, yeah, saying no is definitely still, still a domain that I'm working on. And every time I do it, especially if there's no justification or answer or reason why I'm saying no, it feels Feel good. guilty. Oh, yeah. good. oh no, it feels good to say no. It feels good. But there's the, rarely do I say it like that because of the guilt you know, I want, I, yep. it's the, it's the fear of like disappointing people maybe like I, I'm and it's, it's, it's good because, you know, even I'm doing yoga teacher training right now. And somebody told me before I started training, they're like, yo, it'll ruin your life in a good way because <laughs> you know, as you go through these, you know, these principles, 
you, you, they, they point out these areas of your life that you need to work on, right? These, these blaring or glaring things. And you're like, well, fuck, if I'm actually going to be a practitioner of what I say here, of what I preach, then make it real, dude. And so I've been having uncomfortable conversations all week. Good. Well, all right, dude, let's, let's use this. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I was, we, me and my boy Brian were just talking about that this morning because I tend to say yes to everything. Um, and then I find myself in these yes storms where like mm-hmm. a bunch of things I said yes to are all at the exact same time. And I'm like, holy shit, how am I actually going to do all of these things that I said I would do for everybody? Dude, I'm in a yes storm right now. That is, that's perfect because you're right. Like I, you know, high dopamine Cameron is always plugging low dopamine Cameron into responsibilities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Dude. I really struggle with, um, when I can tell someone is full of shit. Um, like I don't really like small talk. Um, and I find myself in situations, especially here when I'm home in Billings, because people know, um, that I am a coach at the Grindhouse. So people always are like, and really what they guess they're doing, I'm realizing this as I'm saying this, is they're just trying to connect. So they'll bring up like these weird fight stories or something, but I've been really struggling when I can tell someone is like full of shit or saying something that's really exaggerated or not true. Um, I struggle to just be able to look at them and smile and nod and just be like, all right, man, mm-hmm. you know, that's your trip, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I struggle to not give body language that's completely like, nah, man, I know you're completely full of shit and I'm actually done acknowledging you exist. <laughs> I just don't yeah. want anyone to be like, man, that guy's a dick. I'm like, well, I'm not trying to be a dick, but I just like, I'm not going to let you input nonsense into me. Like I won't participate. And do that. And that that's key right there, right? Like we got to be clear about what energy we tolerate, what we allow in, what we allow out. And part of that is um, it's, we don't, we don't owe anybody our energy, right? Like it's not, there's, there, there can be definitely people that feel entitled to, to energy, um, whether they're conscious of it or not, there's just this, um, the sense of, of, of entitlement. And I think that, you know, I, you know, back to these, these principles, what is it? Uh, Asteya, non-stealing, right? Like don't steal my peace. Don't steal my time. Don't steal my attention. Don't steal my resources. This is, these, these are, you know, these principles are, are how we can really know pretty immediately what is for us and what is not. And then we have to, you know, intervene in some way that, you know, we, is it kind? Is it truthful? Can we say it in a kind and truthful way? But like, yo, I got to go. I don't, uh, cool, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you, you, there's a six on one and you won. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's where I struggle is the like, um, yeah, there's like this part of me that's like, don't even let him think you believe him for a second, dude. You know, <laughs> like, don't give him the fucking satisfaction of thinking that he is getting you right now. Yeah, take away the glimmer in your eyes. Yeah, dude. I just, yeah, I, my face tells a story, dude. I'm not, I do not have a poker face. My face will tell you exactly how I feel about any given moment. Yeah, well, they'll know then, right? Because like, unless you are really, really not conscious and not, um, you know, don't have any insight, you know, when somebody doesn't believe you, you know, when they're, they're looking at you and there's a, there's a deadness behind the eyes that, that calls out your truth. You go, oh, 
oh, he doesn't believe this. I'm going to talk yeah. faster, talk more because then the amygdala is firing off. <laughs> yeah, dude. And that to me is the funniest part is then it like, it just cranks that shit up to 11 for people. And it's so funny because like, I'm sensitive on the other end of it too, man. If I'm trying to like share space and conversation with someone they and I can tell that they don't, I'm like, oh yeah, right, bet. Like, I get it. I don't always want to talk to people either. You know, mm -hmm. like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just uh, ever fascinated by humans, man, and the way we interact with each other and the way I think, um, you know, my ex-wife, Summer, I think what her superpower is, oh, I've always said what her superpower is, is we are all looking at people as they are, as we see them. And her superpower is always she doesn't see some full of shit grown adult talking noise at her. She sees this hurt kid who no one ever listened to. She always just sees people as the thing behind the thing, man. She just, it's really magical. Mm. And the amount of grace that she gives everyone she encounters because of that is, is something, something that I work towards for sure. She's a, she's a legend in that. I mean, man, that's, and that's, that's beautiful, right? Like seeing people in, in their truth, even the truths that they're not conscious of, right? Cause the mind the mouth is saying what the mind wants it to say, what the ego wants it to say, but, but seeing somebody's energy, cause that energy communicates what it is. Yep. And some people see that some people feel that and they can, we can, it's, it's, it's a necessary, it's a necessary type of grace for the healing of mankind. Just like, just like yours is right. Like we all have our different roles within this collective. We're, we're all these like kind of functional nodes and hopefully, we can contribute through whatever our act of service is, you know, and, and everything, I think anytime we are acting on this highest passion, we are acting in this service because I mean, what you've done, the, you know, the vibrations that, that you've allowed into this world, they are literally bouncing around right now. Like they are constantly vibrating and in that process, generating that within whoever is listening to it. And so that is this, that is this deep sacred act of service, right? And like, and so is seeing people in that truth and seeing that, that, that growing man with the inflamed ego as this kid that wasn't listened to like that is its yeah. own act of service. You can work towards that, but also you're, you are, you are doing what you are doing as well. Right. Yeah, I think that compassion piece, man, that's something that I've that I've kind of had to learn because I used to um, I just had such a hard life, bro. So I was always gauging shit off of my, you know, like one to ten. So if someone was telling me something that for them emotionally, their biological response was maybe a nine. But to me, it would register as like a two. I'd be like, man, get the fuck out of here with that. <laughs> and then um, my, I remember my good friend John was like, you know, man, like a nine is still a nine. Like if they're feeling a nine, what, how you need to see it is like, yeah, man, maybe failing a math test to you isn't even a one, but to somebody that's a nine and where you have to meet them is go, Oh man, I too know what nine feels like. Mm. And I see that you're feeling a nine right now. I'm sorry. You're feeling nine. Nine suck. Mm, that's, that's, that's powerful. Like their nine doesn't have to be your nine, but you know what nine feels like. Yes. Yeah, that was a, a real game changer for me. Like, 
again, it's stepping out of that main character thing. It's like, right, dude, but your story isn't the only story here. Everyone else has different stories. So like mm. a nine's still a nine and they suck, man. Um, and it really, really allowed me to, to start to see, especially people close to me, you know, my, my, one of my best friends and bass player, Carl, I used to really struggle to like really fully see him because the things that he struggled with were things that I wouldn't struggle with. Um, and then kind of learning, well, yeah, man, he has a completely different upbringing and brain chemistry than you. And he's dealing with a myriad of problems that are so different than your problems. So it's like, you don't need to understand what it's like to be Carl. You just need to be empathetic to like, well, man, I know what it's like to have hard shit happen. And this is clearly mm -hmm. hard for you. So I see you and feel you, bro. You know? And man, it's interesting. One thing that I've seen too, bro, is, is in my line of work, um, you know, I started doing these VIP things. What I used to do is after every show, I would go stand by the merch booth, you know, until they kicked everybody out. And I was starting to find that I would feel so fucking drained, bro. Like borderline depressed. I would be so out of like energy output because it's like I would drive all day. We would play the show and then I would spend this whole chunk of time interacting with everybody that wants to tell me there i was going to commit suicide and then i found your song which these are all beautiful stories but it's a lot it's a lot to take in um so we start doing these vip things where you come before the show before intoxicants are handed out you know mm -hmm. um and i play a few songs we do a q a and it's just a little more controlled environment greg is there kind of like leading the experience and um you know someone commented the other day like so now i have to spend extra money to get to talk to you and it's like well i mean dude my whole day is when i'm on tour my whole day is energy output i'm there for everybody else i'm not there for me so like yeah i've kind of had to move it to this controlled environment because really man the only getting on the but getting off stage and getting on the tour bus that's the only 30 40 minutes of the day where i can be in that bus alone the only time i can mm -hmm. be in a room or a space alone so it's like giving myself permission and the fans, the most fans have zero empathy for that. They're like, well, I bought this ticket and I've been waiting so long to see you. And I wanted to tell you my story, damn it. It's like, well, I've been out here for three weeks, dude. And I just need 20 minutes every day by myself, especially right after a show. It's such a fucking powerful thing. It's like, I need to land man. And like get back in my body and feel like a person again. And like, mm. You know, mm. I've been interacting with people since I woke up, you know. And you're right, though, that that exchange of energy, man, um, that's a really important thing to be conscious of because they're look, the, the, the law of nature, right? Like when when there's wind, it's because that wind is going to fill some negative vacuum, like energy is always going to fill the space. And so when we interact with people, if they have no, no energy, and I mean, like none of the, the vital on a life energy then their presence can pull that out of you into themselves and i think that that you know it sounds kind of woo woo but it's also it's true man like if you can feel somebody when they've just got that that um it's it's the energy of like a succubus and being in that presence it's like oh where's my energy going what the hell it's like it's oh you're 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 taking this and even though it, they can come from a place of love and real you know, real gratitude and real contentment. You got to find ways of preserving your energy so that you can do what you do sustainably. 
Yeah, man. And on like what I found too, man, especially this last on spring tour, man, these VIP sessions, having it in this controlled container like that, um, where people aren't drunk, you know, I think there was only maybe three or four of the 15 shows that I didn't tear up at least once because mm. how we kind of do it is I play a few songs, two or three songs. Um, and then Greg brings everyone up to the stage and I just sit on the stage and then Greg's like, you know, we can do questions or like if anyone just wants to say something like it's pretty unregulated. The only rule is don't talk when someone else is talking and to get to hear someone's story, you know, like someone, um, there was this couple in, um, it doesn't matter somewhere in the South. Um, and the wife had been diagnosed with cancer. And she was listening to the music a lot. And then the husband was really struggling. You know, he was tearing up and just being like, she's the best person I've ever known. And the idea that she got cancer, that she was dying, you know, it made me hate everything. It made me hate everything. And then she started making me listen to your music too. And then she ended up in remission and they were both crying as he was telling this story. And then I started crying. So it's like, it was um, a really good reminder for me that not only is the music out there and people are listening to it all the time, but that it's serving people in a way that's just like unfathomable. Um, and as someone that just is genuinely a music lover, that's how I use music too, as a medicine. Um, you know, if I could tell Jackson Brown or, you know, any number of artists, like you have no idea, man, like, this piece that you made got me through this unsurmountable mountain, you know, it helped me climb that mountain, you know, um, to know that it's being used like that and to get to receive it in such a beautiful, controlled, intimate way, rather than a post show, everyone staring at me and taking pictures, you know, to have it be in that slowed down thing. I just really prefer it that way. Cause it's, it's less about, you know, I want the extra 30 bucks from you and more of like, I want, if you really want to tell me something, I want it to be done in a good way, you know? Mm -hmm. Again, it's yeah, all it's, exchange it's of energy. Like, it's that exchange of energy. Money's just that energy of like, all right, you, if you want to be here, this is, this is how you participate. This is how you, how, how you secure that participation, that everything is an investment. If you want to be here, you can, you can invest. It's how you show that you're showing up and, I mean, it's almost, a, it's almost a, it's a beautiful thing that you can't possibly know the impact you've had. That is, yeah, dude, it trips me out. Like I've had, um, I've had some psychedelic experiences where that thought has hit me and it's like, ah, you know, it's like the craziest, heaviest thing ever. Um, I, um, during, um, during the COVID shut off, it was to, at the tail end of it. I, I did ayahuasca, um, for the first time. In the first night, there was a bunch of really heavy points in it, but um, I was kind of going through my story, you know, a super abusive childhood was homeless a few different times and just kind of bouncing from couch to couch, like just so much turmoil. Um, and, um, you know, I started playing music when I was like 13. And this like entity voice was sharing with me, like everything that we put you through early, like typically um she said we give every person that we put here a thing and most people don't find their thing and you found yours super early way sooner than we thought you would find it so we put you through this thing 
so that you would really revel in it once it manifested into its full form. And that thing was music. And I like started crying and it was this whole super heavy thing. Um, and then later on that night, our next show was going to be Red Rocks. And I started thinking about playing Red Rocks and it started to get very overwhelming. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. And then it got super dark and scary. And I was like, okay. She was like, we just went over this, you know? <laughs> and I was like, all right, all right, all right. I'm excited to play Red Rocks and I'm here for it. And it immediately like, like calm back down. <laughs> we just went over this. We just went over this. That was for sure the super loud emphasis. <laughs> Oh man, we need that to remember, right? Like what what a what an epic moment though to make that real. Right? Like staring at Red Rocks being like, "Damn, dude. That's going to be heavy." Uh-huh. Man, it's it I mean, look, I've just um I've I've watched this journey, right? Like I've I've seen I've seen you starting Red Lodge, you know, playing these gigs and and admiring your work and your craft and your just even just that grit even then and then just seeing seeing the the amount of energy invested the amount of love invested and and not underestimating the the significance of that investment right like what that actually takes i it's always been an inspiration to me it continues to be an inspiration to me both musically and just your your character, how you're showing up in the world, how you're continuing to do what you do. I really love it. I'm grateful that you came on this podcast as well. Like it's, I, I appreciate you. The feelings are mutual, man. Um, yeah. It was so funny when, when Brady had reached out, we're like, do you know this cam dude? I was like, yeah, man, I've actually known him since he was like 13, you know, like, <laughs> and then explaining the story of like, he lives in Australia, but his dad does this rafting thing in red lodge. It's like, it's, literally the other side of the planet, you know, it's such a trip. Um, and how we circle back in each other's stories, man. And, and same thing, um, completely unrelated, bro. My friend Grayson, who did all of our pictures for, for years before he started having babies, he did all of the stuff for all right now. Um, sent me like three of your videos in a row and I would just like double tap him, you know? And he's like, bro, me and my wife are like hooked on this dude's shit. Like, we we look every day to see if he's posted something. I was like, yeah, I actually know him. He's like, get the fuck out of here. So it's like, uh, I'm I feel really blessed. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's been more and more since we connected, man. It's been more and more of the the similar thing that happens with Brady, where people are like, dude, have you seen this kid? I'm like, I know that kid. You know, like, so super cool, man. I'm I'm super inspired by what you're doing too, man. Dude, likewise, man. Like I'm sitting in yoga class and Satsang comes on the playlist and the teacher's talking about how much they love it. And I'm just, the it's, it, it actually gets to this point of like, it's, it's hilarious. It's just funny how, yeah. how global and, and distanced, but immediately interconnected all of this is. And just being able to sit back and witness that, right? Sit back and witness how this is unfolding and the, yeah, the organic beauty of it all is something that uh, I hold close to my heart. So Same, thank you. man. Thank For me, you. it's those. Thank you, dude. Yeah, I always call it the universal nods. It's like the way those interconnections happens. It's like, well, we know we're not doing anything on accident. Like we're mm. right online. Universal nods, man. I love that. Because it, it is just a, yep, I see you, dude. Tip, tip of the hat. You. Yep, you're on the right track, dude.
right. Well, dude, so I, you- I hope you'll I hope you'll come to the show, and I think Sydney's the closest one to you, man. I think it'll be um, the whatever one's in Queensland. I'm up north. Okay. Yeah. I don't know the layout of that land, but yeah, man, I can't wait to see you and congrats on the baby too, man. I'm so, so excited for you. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. So am I, it's uh, it's hectic. It's beautiful. It's wild and man, just full of sensation and richness of experience. So I'm going to, I'll post the, the dates of your tour in the description of this podcast and I'll throw it up on the Instagram too. Um, but Satsang is coming to Australia on November 9th and Sydney is the first show followed by Robina Palmview and then Melbourne on the 12th of November. Um, if you guys want to go and sit in some truth, sit in communion with these ultimate vibrations, make it there. Thanks, man. Yeah, appreciate you, brother. You too, brother.